Good morning, everybody. This is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AM 820, and where the facts matter. And we're a radio show that's about home buying and home ownership and basically making sure people have a safe place to live. Um, with us on the phone is one of our home inspectors from Chicagoland Home Inspectors. His name is Dave Engel. And I, Dave, if you don't mind, just give us a few minutes. I know people have heard your voice before, but tell us who you are, where you came from, and why you like to do this. Yeah, my name is Dave Engel. I uh, hope that people don't hold it against me. I grew up in Wisconsin, but I've lived in Illinois for uh, at least 30, 35 years now. Um, I love doing home inspections. This is, I keep on saying it's my retirement job at, I don't know, four to six days a week. Um, but uh, really make, want to make sure that people get uh, uh, a better inspection than I got 20 years ago. So. And it seems like it's always going to be the same motivation that we have um, somebody who goes into this buying a home and they put their trust and faith into their real estate agents and into their home inspectors. And then all of a sudden something bad happens and it's like something needs a change. All right. And, and that's where we're really focusing heavily on this radio show and trying to make that sort of stuff happen. So with me in the studio right now is who I consider a very... Um, very conscientious client advocate, somebody who really cares more about the the end purchaser or their client than just getting the deal closed. All right, he's a very handsome, very polite, <laughs> very kind, and you're watching him. If you're watching our Facebook live stream right now, you're seeing him on the screen. His name is Quentin Green, and he works with Downtown Realty Company. Um, Quentin, if you don't mind, tell us about your company. Tell us about you and give it give us some scoop all right yeah for sure um so thanks again for having me uh, like charlie said my name is quentin green um you know i've been in the business uh, i just closed out my fifth full year um so i've started doing this straight out of college i've been with the same firm for five years now and it's about uh 10 years old so i got into the business focusing primarily on luxury rentals downtown still do a lot of luxury rentals um you know any new agents on my team i kind of teach them leasing first and then slowly slowly bring them into sales um so it's still a big big part of the company a big part of the business so we have the downtown apartment company which is the leasing side and then downtown realty company which is the more traditional standard brokers that you're going to see across uh most of the downtown area um, so that's a little bit about about our company. Um, you know, as far as me, I'm actually a third generation real estate agent. Um, I think I met your mom. I, mean, I know I met your mom. Yeah, one you time. Probably would have. Her name's Betsy. Yes. Yeah. So she works for Coldwell Banker. Gotcha. Yeah. How'd you meet my mom? Out of curiosity. There was I, I don't know if it was friends of the family or what it was, but they had okay. a mold issue in somebody's house, and I remember this gentleman because and I, I might as well give a plug yeah, for his. Yeah, that's right. I sent her your info. That's right. And yeah, they had some sort of a boat rental company and 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 stuff like that. So I remembered him distinctly because I wanted to get into this leasing boats on Lake Michigan stuff <laughs> instead of buying a boat. Yes. I wish I could remember the name. Because I've been to that house, actually. It's way out in the burbs. No, no. This is in the city of Chicago, and it was a condo. Oh, okay. All right. So it might be a different person that you're thinking of and stuff. But yeah, they were worried because they had some mold issues in the house, and they wanted to do a bunch of air sampling. So we went over there and did that. Got it. See, I, I didn't even know you guys did that, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, you've met my mom. That's good. Yeah. Um, but so her, her and my dad, they had their own uh, real estate firm in Chicago for about 15 years or so. It was nice. called Lincoln Park Homes. Um, so, you know, I grew up at the dinner table. That's, you know, more or less all we talked about. Grew up sitting in open houses when I was younger, and then mm -hmm. as I got older, uh, you know, they'd have me doing a little bit harder labor at various investment properties, you know, from Rockford yeah. all the way to Dalton. So, um, yeah, it's really been a big part of, you know, my family. And, and you know, my grandfather, too, he's, he's 94 and he still transacts real estate, believe it or not. No way. Yeah, he... At 94. It's nuts. I mean, <laughs> the guy is still so sharp. It's unbelievable. I mean, he, he explained to me Bitcoin and the Bitcoin protocol and all these things, it, like, incredibly... Succinctly, like I couldn't have done a better job myself. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, that's just goes to show how, how much is there. But yeah, I mean, he's still he's getting ready to sell everything off, but he's just essentially kind of uh, parceling together some of the different lots he had to you know sell them as a whole. So when I say he's still practicing real estate, it's it's really just his own stuff that he's trying to you know sell in bulk and you know just acquire a few more lots in order to have a you know full piece. So, well, so, so Dave, yeah, I'm gonna expect you to keep working till '94. You know that, right? I, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dave awesome. might though. I mean, it's, like you said, it's your retirement job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Dave's got a lot of energy. There's no way fans butts about it. For stuff. sure. So one of the reasons why I asked you to be on the show is just because I've seen how you interact, how you defend your clients, 
and how you prepare your clients, you know, to work with a company such as ours. And I'm going to throw a little bit of a plug. You know, Chicago Land Home Inspectors is the name of our company. Um, we prided ourselves on marketing direct to consumers and not really marketing through real estate agents. So we focused heavily on, you know, advertising through Yelp and, and Google and stuff just so we could be found on searches. And in doing stuff like that, you have to put yourself out there, make yourself vulnerable, and you, you have to encourage people saying, listen, when, when everything's done, we want you to judge us. We're that confident in what we do. So we know we make a longer list, we know we use more tools than most people, more so because we want to be definitive on our findings. But I also know this, and as a real estate agent, that makes your job difficult, all right? Because now you have a client that's gonna get hit with, you know, I'm gonna say 70, Dave, what do you think is our average amount of issues that we put in a home inspection report? Oh, I'm going to say it's easily uh, in the 70. Um, the, one of the inspections that I think Quentin and I are going to talk about today, we're actually closer to 95. So. All right. And I know that a lot of our competition, they're going to be in the 20s. All right. And I hear phrases like, we hunt for defects with an elephant gun, not a sniper rifle. Whereas we kind of want to be the other way around. Our focus group, when we went to, to our uh, past clients, is the key phrase they always told us is, I, I just want to know. You know, I can make my own decisions. I don't have to be told what to buy or what not to buy or what to accept or what not to accept. I just want to make my own decisions. So everything always boils down to how much and who pays. So to how much we can get a rough idea, but the who pays part is where you come in. And this is what I'm trying to hopefully learn from you. How do you prepare? How do you, you know, help somebody navigate through those items into what's important and what's not important? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, prior to the inspection, you know, I, I don't do a ton to really prep my clients for the inspection. Besides, you know, I, I, I strongly, strongly urge them to use you guys just because, you know, I, I've been in the business for five years and, you know, I've, I've met a lot of inspectors. I've, I've um, you know, dealt with a lot of inspections, both on buy side and a list side. So, um, I use you guys just because you're, you are the most thorough I've, I've found. Um, and I just want to make sure I'm representing my clients uh, as, as, as good as I can. Um, and in part by doing that, you know, it, it sometimes requires that, you know, you get into this house and, and you really examine it to the fullest extent. Um, so the good thing about your guys' report is you have three different sections, if I'm correct. Um, and they're based on degree of severity uh, regarding the issue. So some will be in red, and then I think like yellow slash orange, and then green. Green basically means, uh, you know, fine, whatever, not really worth paying that much attention to. But, but we want you to know. Totally, yeah, definitely, exactly, yeah, worth knowing. The yellow uh, is sort of minor concerns, things that maybe you don't have to do, but also something you should definitely know, and, and at, le at the very least worth um, remedying or, you know, fixing yourself. The red is the stuff where you should at least take pause, sit down, think about it, potentially, um, you know, get a second opinion on from a more specifically qualified person, whether it's the furnace or, or, or whatever. Because for the most part, you guys, you know what you're doing, but you're just putting the problems in front of them. And then, you know, they might want to, you know, use an electrician or, or a plumber for, for various issues as well. So um, walking through that is is fairly easy to do just because you guys make it as easy as it is. Mm -hmm. um, and you're also really helpful in terms of being at the inspection. Like I always recommend my clients go to the inspections. Um, you know, there are some where I have repeat buyers who don't go to them. You know, they know what they're buying. They've, they've been around the block a few times. Not as important. But I to have it. you guys there is important, you know, because you can explain things in person. Because sometimes they get the report, right? And they just see all this red stuff. Um, and sometimes, like you know, and if it's red, sometimes it could be a missing handrail. Right, right, which is still safety, but it does not cost a lot of money to fix. It doesn't cost a lot of money to fix, right. But but there, even with the red, there's different degrees of severity. So having someone there is really important to be like, this is less of a big deal. This is a really big deal, right? Yeah. You know, so so, so it, you guys make it pretty easy to answer your question. No, that that is nice. We we actually wrote a little ebook. I don't know. Have you ever seen that? Or I think I did look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really you know, helpful. We Especially towards the end, we tell people... You know, because, again, it's our client's money, it's our client's home, it's our client's decision, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that our clients don't really know. Like this summer, for example, um, the real estate market was just crazy. Yeah. All right. So people would buy a house, they would have a home inspection, we would still do what we normally do. But 
our clients really didn't have power to negotiate. Right. You know, so it's either you take it as is or you kill the deal and buy another one. Yeah. You know, so we, we always encourage people to put it in three different categories. Number one is this is my deal killer. I'm not going to buy this house unless this gets fixed. And number three is going to be, okay, I know no home is perfect, you know, so this is going to be what I call the, I got this list, you know, we're going to let everyone know that it's there, we're being reasonable, but we want you to know that we're not even asking for these items. Right. And then there's the middle where I tell our clients, you know, talk to your real estate agent or your attorney and be my hero, be my advocate, you know, get me as many of these things as you can, but also give them good guidance saying that even if you don't get me any of these, we're still gonna proceed with the house. Then you talk to your agent because they're the ones that know the market and you may wanna be moving some of those items from the deal killer list to the this one or vice versa, depending on their power. And I, I guess I'm gonna ask a little bit, what do you think of that statement and also, you know, what do you think kind of power that people had this last summer? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. Everything, I mean, it just comes down to price for the most part and how, you know, who's got the most power, really. Yeah. Um, like this summer, like you mentioned, well, it, it was interesting. A lot of what I do is downtown condos. So this summer, although better than 2020 summer, still, you know, buyers had more power when it came to inspection items. No doubt. Really? Oh, for sure. For the high rises downtown, no question. Well, yeah. that's interesting. Well, I didn't I mean, think anybody did. I thought it was no, all sellers. Still, still, still a buyer's market for sure when it comes to down. I mean, anything really close to Mag Mile um, and, and in those downtown high rises, like the demand has not come back to, you know, pre-pandemic levels. And, okay. and so there are still deals to be had there. No question. But I think generally when people hear like, oh, the real estate market's so crazy, like we got a lot of submarkets in Chicago. You know, so generally speaking, you get out of the neighborhoods, um, you know, you get into the burbs, crazy, no doubt about it. Total seller's market, you know, really, really low inventory. So there's not much you can do about it. But, um, you know, it, it totally depends on, on the severity of the issues. No doubt there's going to be more serious items that people are going to walk away from and just absorb those costs than, than in the past. That's just what happens in, in, in tighter markets where sellers have more power. Um, but, you know, there's you just got to know what these things cost and have a good idea and make sure they're pointed out in the first place. Um, because if it's something like, you know, the big ticket items like electrical, you know, I guess you can throw furnace and AC units in, in that item, although electrical and, and plumbing to me, pretty, you know, two of the most important things and also foundation issues, right? And, so, And I'll agree and disagree sure. on the electrical stuff. I get it. It's safe. All right. And you can really hurt somebody if you're not grounded or you're not bonded or we got, you know, bare exposed wires. But, but in all reality, it, it's less than $50 to hire somebody, a handyman or whatever, to come in there and seal these things up yeah. or put a screw or put the right size breaker in there and switch sure. these out. It's not expensive to fix those items. It's just important to do sure, so. Sure, unless you got spotty electric and you don't have the right amount of ampage going to certain areas. That's a whole other story. Exactly. Now we're pulling new wires. Now we're exactly. running a whole new things like that. But the, we also don't know what the new client's needs, electrical needs, are going to be. So we don't know if they're going to put like a big Peloton, you know, bike in that bedroom that only has a 15 amp circuit in there and they need full 20 amp on big wires. Right. We, we don't know what they're going to do. So sometimes they'll move in and that'll end up being a problem. Now, I do want to continue on that conversation, but, and, you know, I, I'm not a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. right? So I, I'll hear terms and I want to know what they mean. And so forgive me for this ignorant question, all right? What is a submarket? What does that mean? Uh, so when I refer to submarket, so generally speaking, you got, you know, all the time people are asking me, how's the market? Well, what are we talking about, right? Are we talking about um, Fulton Market? Are we talking about, right? So like, I mean, Fulton Market, for example, uh, that would be qualified as a submarket, um, which is basically a market within a market. So okay. Fulton Market, for those who don't know, literally the, one of the hottest submarkets in the United States, especially from a commercial development standpoint. Huh. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. The amount of projects that are being proposed and underway. I mean, we're going to see over 5,000 units combined with condos, hotels, and rentals in the next like probably two to three years. Wow. And then every day there's more and more being planned. It's unbelievable. Um, I remember so when that area was dead. Totally. You know, and then all of a sudden restaurants popping. Yep. What, who went? Was it Google? Google went Google. there. Yeah, well, they bought Oprah's old. Uh, That's what it was. Old lot. They tore that down. Um, that sold for almost a billion dollars, I believe. Did you get the deal? Nuts! I, I did not get the deal. <laughs> some uh, some big wig banker, I'm sure, was yeah. uh, responsible for that transaction. But I mean, it goes to show it's nuts. Yeah. Just the appreciation and just how much opportunity there are in these areas. Um, 
So, so that's what I mean. It's a market within a market, right? Like yeah. I mentioned, the condos, downtown high rises, you know, stuff along Michigan Avenue. Like, not a clearly defined market necessarily. It's it's yeah. more, um, um, I guess, qualitative. But I still can consider that like a, a sub market just because it, it kind of does have its own supply demand flows, you know. So so I would still consider like you know, high rises downtown a, a sub market as well. So so that's what I mean by it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, going back to like clients and Dave, I'm gonna ask that you jump in a little bit. I just want to you know get some more specific things that have happened, you know, between. Quentin and our past clients and us, or more specifically you, Dave. And I, we asked Dave to pull up some home inspection reports, and we're obviously not going to give our clients name and address out <laughs> there. That wouldn't be appropriate. But nonetheless, we could still talk about issues and how you handled that with your clients and how you were their advocate. You got any examples for us, Dave? I uh, absolutely do. It was uh, really the first inspection that uh, Quentin and I uh, did together. It was, uh, he reminded me of it uh, last night when we were swapping some emails back and forth. It was uh, in Chicago on Wayne Avenue. Um, as he says, uh, most of our inspections that we've done together have been uh, in the high rises downtown, and uh, uh, those are just as important to inspect as a full home. Uh, it's amazing some of the things that we find in there as well. Uh, when you think that a you know these buildings have been rehabbed that they should be correct but they're not but this one uh i think the classic was once, once that we got inside and we're on the uh, garden apartment level um we noticed some water on the floor and we we look over at something that uh, really looks like a sump pump and uh all of a sudden you started smelling it a little bit and it turned out that it was an unsealed ejector pit that uh, had somebody had just run some stuff into and the float wasn't working the motor the motor wasn't operating and the guy said yeah the sump pump's been and the guy that that was walking us around and i said uh, that's not a sump pump so uh yeah raw sewage essentially coming up into that garden apartment so let me jump in a little bit about that you know and uh, for potential clients other real estate agents other home inspectors it's important to people to understand the difference between a sump pump and an ejector pump. A sump pump that is going to take groundwater from the outside, and in certain areas of the Chicagoland area, we are allowed to take those sump pumps. In fact, they're required to take those sump pumps and put them into the raw sewer. The city of Chicago wants it done that way. I, I believe Skokie is like that, and there's a few other communities as well that's like that. But for the vast majority of the suburbs, we want to take that groundwater and put it back to the outside. Now, that's nothing but, you know, typical rainwater. It's clean. It's fresh. Everything's fine. Those do not have to be sealed. They do not have to be vented. Yet, when we're talking about an ejector pump, that is going to be human waste. So we're going to have feces, urine, everything else that goes in there. And... You know, as much as we could joke about the smells and everything else, and let's be realistic, farts are funny and whatever, but it's unhealthy. That's the bottom line. You can't leave those open where you're going to be able to smell human waste. And, and it sounds gross and bad and everything else, but people just don't realize what's going on, and even if you smell it. So those do need to be sealed up tight, and they do need to be vented to the outside so you can let fresh air get in there and let those gases escape. And then we have to make sure that that goes to the uh, to the main waistline for the sewers and that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that you have to maintain those things, too. And you have to be careful what you flush down the toilet. You know, the only thing that could go down there is feces, toilet paper. You know, look at me, Charlie, with the radio show about poop. You know, I'm just, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with me? I don't know. But this is important for home ownership and doing these things. A lot of people will flush animals, you know, feminine hygiene products and different things like that down the toilet. That will screw up these pumps. And these are $1,000 pumps. They are not cheap when it comes into it. And then not only that, but if that pump isn't pumping out, then all that stuff is backing in. And the next step is that waste is coming into your property. And that's why we have to keep these things going. Now, the good, what Dave explained about the, you, and I did hear this right, Dave, right? You said the lid wasn't on there, it was open? Correct. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah it, was, it was just a standard uh, uh, unsecured cover. So putting a cover on that, you know, and again, this is serious because it's unhealthy, 
but the fix is under a hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. for crying out loud, we're talking about caulking, sealing, putting the right pipes down there to get the vents out of there, and and that's it. You know, so. I, I don't know. I guess I'm getting on a little soapbox quitting. I apologize. Yeah. Oh, you're good. And But how did you handle that? You know, did you negotiate for it? Did you just say, let's absorb it and we'll yeah. fix it? Well, a little bit of background with this property. So this was a three unit in Lincoln Park. Um, very high performing property from uh, an underwriting standpoint. So it's it, an investor property. Exactly. Right. It performed very well. Um, it was probably a little bit above a six cap. What does uh, that mean? I'm, again, it's like it's that's kind of a good way to reference like the perform, underlying performance of a property from um, if you're looking at investment properties, it's the capitalization rate or the rate of capitalization. So, and what's uh, that scale? So it's basically that. So you're gonna have your your gross income, and then in order to get the gross income, that's purely all the money that's coming into your property that you're collecting in, in rents or other payments, whether it's you know the washer dryers, the parking, you name it, whatever. Right. Uh, if you got a billboard, that goes in your gross income. So from your gross income, then you got to subtract out all your expenses. So it's kind of like a PL. Um, but you know your taxes, right? Your maintenance, your uh, heat. Are you paying for the heat? Are you paying for the electricity? All utilities, insurance, uh, management. If you're hiring a management company, so all those things should be deducted out of the gross income. Once you have the net operating income or the NOI, uh, you're going to uh, divide the purchase price by the NOI. Whatever that that number is is going to be your capitalization rate. Essentially, gotcha. yeah. So. So six um, cap is good. Six cap's good for Lincoln Park. You know, yeah. if you're talking to someone who's investing in other areas, they're going to say, uh, "Why waste your time with a six cap?" But you know, the good thing about Lincoln Park is it historically holds value, um, and likely, and, if it's a six cap, it's probably close to a blue chip property, so less maintenance generally. Um, so, anyways, that's my client. He he typically buys blue chip uh, properties in in areas that historically have just you know held up in value and have, have not seen crazy growth in rents but you know good enough rents growth so anyways this property was a three unit that in the garden unit that dave's talking about is an illegal fourth unit so no one was living in it fortunately i believe it actually might have been i don't know i think they had it rented out but they remodeled it and so maybe there was a cap there at one point and then during the remodel it got taken out because they were also missing um some uh, outlet plates and stuff like all sorts of stuff. Like the plumbing wasn't even hooked up. I don't think so. No one yeah, had lived it, there. Yeah, right. it wasn't. Yeah, it was in the. Pro- Actually, I think uh, there was a bed in there. At one point, we were thinking that maybe the maintenance guy that right. was doing some work for the, was sort of you know camping out there every once in a while. Um, but yeah, there was uh, open electrical boxes. There was you know. BX, the, the flexible metal wire that was just sticking out without wire nuts on it that was live in a couple a couple of the spaces down in there. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Um, I think I think mid re I think mid rehab but not not completed. Right. Yeah, so and then also the yeah, that was funny because we actually couldn't even inspect the other part of the basement because you actually came and uh, inspected it at a later date because the person who was living in the first floor unit also had access to the basement that the owner didn't even realize, but he also worked for the owner outside of the building. You know, he, he owns, you know, a company and the guy worked for him. And you couldn't see anything in this basement. I mean, there was wiring that was being tapped into that never should have been tapped into. Um, like, the amount of stuff down there, it was, it was a collection of a lifetime. So we couldn't inspect the unfinished basement at all like even the listing agent like his jaw dropped when he saw this stuff it was unbelievable <laughs> so i mean this was definitely not an easy transaction we actually he ended up walking away not because of the inspection items yeah. because of uh financing issues since it was a three unit that was pretty expensive so this wasn't it, the one that had those horse stalls was it no, I'm thinking of no, a different no, property. No. Then. Okay. Yeah. No, but you did come and look at the basement once we got. We had to yeah. remove everything from the walls. Gotcha. And so we looked yeah. at it. Um, he, but, he had, yeah, pers- personal personal product shelving. Uh, there was actually a TV sort of set up in there with a bunch of DVDs, like he was hanging out down there. Oh yeah, it was a workshop. I mean, yeah, he had everything you think Extension of. Extension cords used this. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about preparing the house for the home inspection. And something that's happening to us right now. Yeah. I need some coaching on this. For sure. Tell me more. So, I mean, yeah, Dave, it was a nightmare. Dave, you never even really saw the basement because you couldn't even walk down there, really. You saw it to a degree. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, We also also tried to do a sewer scope, but but because, so we tried to go through the, the catch basin. Right. Because he had everything blocked where the actual clean-out would have been. Uh-huh. And, yeah, wasn't able to do that. I'm looking at it right now. There were 22 red items, 55 moderate, and 8, you know, minor concerns. That's a lot. Oh, totally. Above average. 
Yeah, and so these guys, I think the same with like the furnaces and the AC units. None of I don't think anything was working that that properly. Um, so it was kind of like humidifier was leaking. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean it was a lemon. Like you know, it really, it looked really nice, but once you got into it, it there were a lot of issues. But anyways, the sellers were actually great. They were owned a lot of properties. They had a team there, and this guy had a checklist. He was basically a GC, okay. so they were amazing. I mean, they came back and all the basically these it was so many it was so much stuff where we were just like we just want this property done right. You know, yeah. we don't want credits, and this just sounds like a crazy homework time because it really was a lot of stuff. So we had agreed that they would get this stuff done, and we would kind of reinspect it. That's what we did, and they did it. You know, they did a really good job. Problem was, we didn't close just because uh, of. I, I mean, it was mainly financing stuff. We had to go with a private bank, um, and and you know things kind of just just fell through. So um, yeah, we, we got around. Lincoln Park has been just blowing up when right. it comes to property values. Yeah. Know? I mean, it was it was a little bit. It was just a different type of property. I mean, he did end up buying two more investment properties that year. Okay. Um, you know, so he still was able to kind of get in on that. But yeah, with this property, it was just a really tricky one to finance. You know. Okay. Yeah. I can buy into that one, and um, I'm drawing. I'm drawing a brain because I know I did want to talk. Oh, here it is. So setting the house up and getting it ready for the home inspection. I David just did Dave just did a home inspection recently and the house had a whole bunch of storage and he couldn't get into the attic mm-hmm. right so the client called us back and wants us to come back out there and look at the attic right all right and I'm gonna go back out there and do it there's no if ands buts about it but it's like you know this is our job this is our career you know our schedules are full you know when we do our home inspections and I can't just pull one person and say okay we're not going to do a home inspection today so I can go back to this house and reinspect it we're going to ask to be compensated sure you know I'm, I'm not going to ask our guys to do it for free we can't afford to pay somebody twice to do one home inspection so I, I guess is um, whether it's a, a buyer's agent or a seller's agent or um, how do you you know how do you get that point across especially if you're the the selling agent you're trying to get the listing agent to get that house prepared so our guys could get in there so we're not going to get that extra fee to our clients i mean yeah well there's only so much you can do really i mean if if you're in a hardcore seller's market uh and you know the sellers just haven't prepared the home in, in a matter satisfactory to do a full inspection you know you might end up just having to pay for them to come out there again as the buyer um I hate just, doing that though because my, it wasn't my buyer's fault. Why should they be punished? And it's not my fault that it wasn't prepared. We sent out our notices. We do everything we can, but people just well, whether it's ignored or don't care or whatever, it's I don't it know. It depends. I mean, you're kind of you don't want to step on toes, right? When you're in these, I don't. When, when you're not not you, but as the buyer or the buyer's agent, anybody. Yeah, if it's a situation where you have ten multiple offers and you know the seller screwed up, they didn't get something ready to do the full inspection. Uh, and you have to have someone else come out there. Like that buyer might just be like, "All right, it's worth just eating the extra two hundred bucks or whatever it would cost to get someone back out there," instead yeah. of going to them, and then that problem becomes another problem, so on and so forth. So, um, so yeah, I would say it really depends. You know, if if you have more flexibility, and you know that, uh, then you can kind of play a little hardball if you know if you want. It all depends on the power. And I that's kind of so. why I put that in there. You know, and, and it's not just a red tie word. You know, when we're saying power, sometimes you have legitimate negotiating power sometimes you don't yeah you know and it, it really depends on the market and and what's out there and how many other people are there and you know for me and again it, it goes to show my ignorance in real estate when you know when i talk about the real estate market i'm going to say the chicagoland market sure and that's why when i heard you say well there's sub markets within the market i'm like okay what does that mean i want right. to know so maybe this little pocket area is busier than that one and then you have more or less where it comes to it all that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. when negotiating and that's why having an agent um you know who understands all those things and knows where it is especially right. in the area that they're at so that they can help their client get the best value uh something i failed to do right in the beginning and i'd like you to go ahead and do this quentin please um give us again your name give us the name of the company i want websites emails phone numbers how do people get hold of quentin green uh yeah so the name of our company, uh, downtownrealtycompany.com, um, Downtown Realty Company, and that's the website. That's for our sales brokerage. And, and where are you guys located? We are located in River North. Okay. Um, our office is 730 North Wells. We are the corner retail space, so pretty easy to find. We normally have videos and stuff like that going um, 
kind of being streamed throughout on the windows and, and all that stuff. But yeah, we have an open door policy. You're welcome to come on in. And there's people in the office now with COVID and everything else. And I, I know yeah. you're in the safe practice as right. well. You know. Yeah. You know, um, we it, it's interesting. We kind of self corrected things like just because of COVID and everything. We used to have people in the office all the time now mm-hmm. just less people go to the office and, and no one's going to require you to go to the office and real estate brokerage right um it's more about so about performance but yeah you know it's never really been a problem where we have too many people in the office or people have felt uncomfortable or anything like that good uh you know of course we've had the covid scares and you know we had to yeah. resanitize all that stuff whatever but you know we've we, we've been okay we've handled it pretty well i think and we're so. getting used to it totally yeah phone numbers yeah, so then we also have Downtown Apartment Company, which is the leasing side, um, and that is the majority of our business, but that's downtownapartmentcompany.com. Um, <clears throat> for as far as phone numbers, uh, 773-895-7750. That's say my it, cell phone. Say it again, please. And then 773-895-7750. And then my email is just qgreen at downtownloop.com. Um, you know, if you're looking for specific brokerage services, you know, I'd recommend just going directly to the website. Um, and, and filling out a website, contact, inquire, and you know, we'll have someone uh, get in touch with you. You can just put my name down as well, and I'll, I'll reach out. Um, and then, yeah, you can, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I have a business page on Instagram, on LinkedIn, all that stuff. Yeah, social media is huge nowadays, isn't totally. it? Yeah. Getting that stuff. So what is a luxury rental? What does that mean? I mean, is there a dollar amount? Is there a size amount? What's a luxury rental? I mean, it's definitely rendered by choice. Yeah. It's someone who, who could choose whether or not they want to, you know, buy or rent and, and really like I mean certainly you have some people who who don't have the luxury to buy right that's what I mean by that it's someone who who's spending a pretty good amount of money they know all their options but they're still going to rent okay. you know so that's kind of what I consider a luxury rental like it, it's it's the most you've seen the most development um in luxury rentals in the past probably five, six years in Chicago and, and virtually everywhere for the most part, like multifamily has just, just been huge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the new new multifamily nowadays is, you know, in 2016, 2017, went through like the amenities arm race, right? Yeah. So it was just who could have the cooler, bigger amenities. And it got a little out of hand, I'm not going to lie, um, <laughs> just with some of the insane stuff you'd see in, in some of these properties. Give me some examples. I'm curious now. Well, I mean, there's some stuff for, that are practical and to things that are just ridiculous like there's i guess bocce ball course depends on who you ask that's kind of cool um in the be, apartment or are you talking about in, in the, the building in many spaces oh, okay. yeah so you'd have like there's one building in particular it's in streeterville it's got a full court basketball court which is great it's awesome don't get me wrong um it's got a bocce ball court it's got like 15 pelotons all in a studio um <laughs> that's awesome. it's got a golf simulator next to the peloton room yeah right and so there's another, oh, another one in south loop this is you know the biggest one of the biggest high rises um in, in the rail market they have a boxing gym that's like or a boxing ring that's front and center in their fitness center and this gym is bigger than most like fitness centers you'd get a membership yeah. at. honestly it's nuts so yeah i mean you'd see all sorts of stuff like that you you oh another place has a has a recording studio and then they also have a full band kit like literally guitar drums all that stuff so you can go and record your own stuff no way crazy that is crazy that's how many amazing. people use it i don't know but it's cool yeah. um so that's what i mean like it's just it's, you know it goes from the really cool stuff to the um practical to the you know excessive right so but that's kind of what I, I think is is luxury rental. People paying you know a little bit more money than um, a lot of people feel comfortable with paying in rent. But you know these buildings they they charge studios are two thousand and up, one beds are twenty five and up, two beds wow. are thirty five. You know so that's what I mean by that. Yeah, it gets real expensive real quick. And you're living a luxury lifestyle. Everything's yeah. at your fingertip. Yeah, and it's all right there. You don't even totally. need a car. And, you know, no, definitely don't need a car. That's amazing when it comes to it. Right. Um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I'm going to ask you kind of a hard question. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to apologize because I didn't give you a heads up on this one at all. But one of, one of the things that I value on business is when somebody can tell me why they do what they do. Okay, so what I mean by that is I, I personally consider you a client advocate. I consider you somebody who researches their clients, wants to find out their wants, needs, desires, everything comes with it. And you want to make sure that they go ahead and get what they want, you know, basically. And, you know, and you know that they're going to buy through you one way or another, whether it's today, tomorrow or next year. All right. But the question is, why? Why do you choose to do business that way? Believe it or not, you're in the minority. All right. Most real estate agents, they want to show you a couple of houses. They, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who's being insulted by this comment. And it's not my intent. I just ran into it way too many times. But mm-hmm. they want to show very few properties. They want to get you to sign. They don't want anything. Once the contract's signed, 
They don't want any curveballs being thrown in there. They just want to clear the clothes and let's move along, get my commission, and I'm out of here. That's not you. Why? Why do you choose to do business this way? Yeah, good question. Um, well, for starters, I'm definitely in the business of making money, but you know, I also there's like to help people along the way, that. and you can do both at the same too. time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's you know uh, two different camps, I guess you know that I think are worth pointing out. The first one, which is like you said, um, you know, they want to move fast, they want to close as many deals as possible, and maybe they don't have a ton of foresight, and and they're they're maybe just not as intentional in in what they're doing. You know, I'm I'm personally of the camp that it's within your own self-interest to um, basically do whatever you possibly can uh, in order to ensure that these are lifelong clients. You know, I started off when I was 21 years old in rentals, and so my, I, you know, I would I would do $900 studios wherever in the city, you name it. I don't care if there was something in downtown Chicago, I'd find a way I'd drive out there. I was just focused on getting myself in front of as many people as possible mm-hmm. and growing out a pipeline and also giving people the best service that I possibly can. Um, because a lot of those, you know, properties or that, that clientele, a lot of people don't want to work with that. You know, that it sucks to say, but that is what it is. For me, I was just picking up breadcrumbs um, and I was totally fine with that. And it helped me build a solid pipeline years down the line. Um, but that's always kind of, I've always been really intentional. I've always wanted to get in front of as many people as possible, but also from self-interest. I mean, these are people who like are lifelong clients. If you, if you do them right and, and you show them that you're good at your job. Um, and kind of also, like you said, when it comes to representing your clients the best way possible, like you, when you guys do inspections, you know, you, you might blow up deals here and there, not that you guys blow up deals, whatever, you know, you don't, but you guys do a really, really good job and it scares some people, you know, or it's just more than they're willing to accept. Exactly. And again, it goes back to it's their choice. As long as it's, as long as it's not, you know, in uneducated decision and and it goes back to what I was saying before, electrical overfusing. Right. All right. Yes. It's dangerous. Right. $15 breaker and one handyman who knows how to switch out a breaker no big deal yeah. i'm sorry I, no I no that's good to clarify but like it just is right it just is what it is and this is the property and you know it's important to understand fully like what you're signing up for um so for me like it's within my own self-interest just to make to not i guess try to just do as many deals as possible like if a deal doesn't go that way that's fine you know if anything your clients are are going to show that that you are someone who, uh, you know, I guess is in their corner. And, and hopefully that's just another step for you to make them a lifelong client, in my opinion. So that's kind of the way I look at it um, as far as building business and keeping business moving forward. Now, I, I noticed also you're big on getting reviews for your business and stuff like that. And I, I'm the same. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I did go back and look at, you know, some of the reviews that you see on, on what, like Realtor.com, Zillow. I know you post some of those. Up yeah. on your um, website as well. You've got a lot of Google stuff on there as well. Right. You know, and everything has always been about reputation. And there's an old joke in, in real estate. What are the three most important words in real estate? Location, location, location. Sure. And I keep focusing on what are the three most important words of a real estate professional, no matter where you're at. It's always going to be reputation, <laughs> reputation, reputation. All right, where it comes into it. We, I, 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 listening to you talk about this and the long term and caring about your clients and stuff like that brings me back to a, a memory that I had one real estate agent and we did end up doing, I think this was the third inspection. Uh, for this person and you know and they didn't have a lot of money so they had to buy cheaper homes they wanted a lot of square footage Mm -hmm. so in doing so they were going to get houses that had a lot of problems in it right and finally the third one you know he just kept telling the client after we're out of the picture that this is all minor this is no big deal you know just take it everything will be fine Mm -hmm. you can fix these little things on your own down the road they move in they're angry you know not at us but at him because he's the one who said these were minor. I'm like, we never said anything of this sort. You know, we right. we taught you, and, and this is all serious stuff. And it, and and basically, I, I told that agent, I said, please don't ever refer us again. You yeah. know, I don't want to work with you. I can't do that to other human beings and do it. So um, I'm going to just toss in a little plug again for our company. Again, it's Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors.com. Dot com and it's plural ORS and it's a dot com and our phone number is 312-544-9180 again it's 
844-944-9180. Right now we got about nine inspectors going. We have a few of them that aren't ready to be on their own, and we're getting them up to speed and such. But you couldn't like to work with Dave. Mm -hmm. You know, Dave Engel, who's on the phone with us. Yes. So Dave's listening. We're not going to be able to see his face, and make, but make him turn red. Why? Why do you want to work with Dave? Well, Dave's a great guy, for one. Uh, I mean, he always does make my clients feel at ease, which is helpful. And he's just a general, like, happy, likable guy. He is. And so that, believe it or not, isn't that easy to find uh, amongst <laughs> a lot of home inspectors. So uh, it's great. I mean, he's a breath of fresh air. It's awesome to not only have someone who's a good person, but also someone who really knows what he's doing as well. Um, and, and that's one thing I appreciate. You know, he'll, he'll really take the time to, to walk people through things as they're um, being inspected as well. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much why I, I use Dave. Nice. Dave, what do you say Thank about you, Quinn? Quinn? What are his, what are his like kind of qualities? <laughs> I know, right? We're going to do a little kumbaya here a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. So give me just some gonna, high points of Quinn. The, the check is definitely in the mail. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> No, uh, again, I, I think you've hit all the high points already. I mean, his integrity uh, of how he works with his clients, I mean, just how he's, uh, you know, talking with them, uh, working with us. Um, you know, there's, like you said, the, the realtor that you said, thank you, but no thank you, don't ever uh, come back to us. Um, that's not Quentin. You can definitely... Uh, be the advocate for his client. You can see that he has a passion that they're getting the right place, and um, yeah, I mean, just human just character a, is very important to me. And you can tell that it's, yeah. you can't fake that. No, no, and that's why we're putting him out here, and that's why you know we're running this on Facebook Live um, ahead of the actual radio show. The radio shows this morning at six o'clock on Saturday morning from six to seven on WCPT AM eight twenty. You know where the facts matter, but then you can also see um, all of our past shows live. You can actually look them right in the eyes and see who this person is, that they're sincere and humble, and we're doing the same thing. Right. Dave, I want to find out more about another house or something else. Give me something else, please. All right. So, uh, uh, again, seeing that uh, more of what he does are high-rises, I brought one of those up. Um, I think you that, like his high-rises, because every time you're on one of those, <laughs> I'm always seeing a, a city of Chicago or Lake Michigan photo on your personal Facebook page that I see pop up on there. So. Yeah, it's funny. It's either high-rises or it's investment properties. <laughs> one of the you know, two. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I've... Uh, I see why people are getting these places, that's for sure. When uh, when you first walk in, you know, you're riding an elevator up, and you're downtown, you realize you're downtown, but as soon as you walk in and you look at the panorama that these uh, that some of these places have, I think one of them, I don't know if it was yours, Quentin, uh, you were almost high enough to be looking down into Soldier Field where you could see maybe a third of the game from your balcony. Well, that but, had to be a uh, South Loop property then, huh? Absolutely. It was gorgeous. So, yeah, that was probably uh, 1629 Prairie, we may guess. Oh, I've that, been to that building. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great building. Yeah, it's probably the best views of Soldier Field because you're right there. Wow. If you're high, high enough up. Uh, so here is one uh, on Lakeshore Drive. Um, believe it or not, it didn't – I mean, it, it – uh, only had 14 issues, but seven were moderate and seven were red, and it was all, most all electric on that one. That's actually uh, a pretty good property, then, if, the, if our list is actually that short. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it was all basically the electrical panel. I mean, it had the pointy screws versus the, the blunt tip screws, so when you're putting right. the cover yeah. on or off, you could you know, possibly pierce mm -hmm. a wire on the inside of the cabinet and make the... Uh, uh, you know, dead front cover live, which isn't good. Obviously, a lot of right. these high rises have the electrical panel inside a closet, which this one had. Um, half of the labels weren't marked, so if you had to shut something off in a hurry, you'd, you wouldn't know which breaker to throw. So, you know, I'm saying seven things wrong, but it was really seven things wrong with the same item. So, well, that was easy then, right? Totally. I mean, we're talking five cents a screw, you know, to put the right screw in there. And somebody to go ahead and turn those. Right. And what, I mean, what were like a serious problem with the electric, Dave? Um, well, I, I consider it sort of serious. I know some people don't, but just being in a closet, I every time that I see that, I obviously let the clients know that you're not moving this panel. The, 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 you no. know, this is where it's located. Yeah. It's going to be impossible to, to, to move it. 
But I do strongly recommend that if they're putting uh, hanging bars in there, if there are hanging bars in there for clothes and that sort of stuff, to to sort of say, you know, from this point, you know, either wrap some electrical tape around or something. Nothing hangs closer to the panel than this point, just because you you really, I mean, clothing, if it gets hot, if for some reason the panel did spark, the last thing you want to do is start a fire. So mm-hmm. People kind of make fun of us, too, when we talk about, you know, filler filler blanks for missing circuit breakers or holes in the panels that are there. And, you know, I've heard other home inspectors say that, you know, well, you don't want somebody sticking their fingers in there and getting electrocuted. And I'm like, well, who the heck is going to be sticking their fingers inside of an electric panel? Right. You know, for what re- reason? Unless you, I don't know, you got a candy bar in there or something you got to get out. I don't know. Yeah. But what the real reason for those blanks are, and people don't realize it, is electrical panels, bad things happen in there. They do have explosions that have in there. And something I, I think I shared with you, Quentin, maybe I didn't, but I was in the fireman business mm-hmm. for about 37 years. Right. All right. I retired three years ago. And I know that we've been on a few houses that started from the electrical panels. So if there's holes that are open or blanks that are missing inside of these things and you get an explosion inside that panel, those sparks will come out of there. And that's what starts the house fires. Now, and there's nothing against the code that's that's what they did by putting that panel in there. It was approved by the city of Chicago, right. it's accepted, and just because codes change doesn't mean we have to all of a sudden take every single condo in that building or every single house that we have going on in there and um, every single house that we you know have and bring it all up to today's codes. Um, it just doesn't have to happen, you know, but we still want to make sure that things are safe. So what you're saying with the closing there, we want to make sure all those openings and everything else are sealed up. I, I can't stress that enough. And pointy screws, um, if we're not doing it now, we're going to do it real soon. I want all of our guys carrying the proper screws with them. For sure. We've had them. We're putting, you know, we made the mistake. All right. Humans make mistakes and it's we want to correct those mistakes. So we've taken those screws out. And we started putting it back in there, and sure enough, they hit an energized conductor. Yeah. And boom, you know, we get an explosion inside the panel and stuff that comes in there. But um, it is scary. So I hear what you're saying with the clothes, Dave. I think it's important. But more importantly, we want to make sure all those plugs are filled so those embers can't get out of there. Mm -hmm. And that's all good stuff. Quentin, if you can give me, let's say I'm a real estate agent, and... You want to give some words of wisdom, whether you got it from your grandfather, your parents, you. What advice would you give to another real estate agent to make real estate agents or build a reputation up for a real estate agent? Um, another yeah, hard good. question that I didn't prep you for. Did no, I? it's okay. Um, good question. I mean, one thing I always say with like, you know, it wasn't that long ago when I was a new agent. Um, and you know my business has changed quite a bit over the past five years, from just where I started and where I got. And, and part of you know I was I got into real estate because I saw you know my parents did well with it, and I didn't want to be a consultant. I didn't want to go to law school, and those were my other two options. So I figured I would give this a shot. Um, and if it weren't for them and just kind of like my sphere of influence and just seeing that you know these things don't happen overnight, and they do take no. time, and it's not easy. Um, but Definitely not a get-rich-quick scheme. Totally. But if you have a roadmap and, you know, you find the right mentors, which, you know, I can't stress enough as, as being so important, because if it weren't for that, I probably would have exited out of the, the industry um, earlier than, you know, well, much earlier. And, and I never would have been able to really see things come together, together which, you know, I, they haven't yet. They're starting to. You know, it's, I think everything is always changing. You yeah. never, you never, hopefully you should never be fully satisfied with where you're at. But I would say to stick with it, seek out those mentors, um, have a roadmap, have a plan, know that, you know, success definitely doesn't happen overnight and that, uh, you know, some people it might take two years. For some people, it might take five years. You know, one guy, you know, the top performing real estate agent, one of the top performing real estate agents in the city, he did like in his first years, he's seven years, he sold like four houses. Now he does two hundred and like thirty million a year. Wow. His team, and gross, right? And gross sales. Gross sales. Wow. Right. I mean, it took this guy seven years, like, to really break, you know, and, and do some stuff. And now, look what he's doing. So. You gotta be intentional, you gotta have patience, have a plan, have a roadmap, um, and you know, everything else will fall in place after that. That all makes sense, I love it. And Dave, let's take it on the other end. If um, you could give advice to a new home inspector starting out in this business, what would you give them? 
Um, again, patience. Uh, uh, I have been doing this now for a little over three years. Uh, in another two days, I will have completed my 400th inspection with uh, you guys, Charlie. Oh, boy. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't last... know that. I'm so sorry. I feel like I need to get you a watch or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I found it really odd that last year and the year before, I did 185 inspections each year. It's uh, <laughs> a little just odd that it was the same. But huh. and, and the other thing is, you know. And that's all I by can't... choice. You know, we only do one inspection a day. We're adamant right. about that. We, we don't write our reports on site. We spend our time focusing on the house or the apartment or condo and also with our clients. And then when we're alone, that's when we write the house. So it is an eight hour, a lot of people don't realize that. You'll only be with the inspector three or so hours, but it really is an eight hour day. I'm sorry, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, ap absolutely. Um, I, I got my education out of the College of Lake County, uh, but my background was I was an industrial engineer for a corporation built and moved warehouses for 20 years uh, along with their network administrator and other stuff but um, I thought I was going to be absolutely ready for this and um, got my LLC right away I'm going to go out hang out my shingle and and created a web page and I'm going to go and then I ended up doing a ride-along with a couple inspectors and I was like oh okay well I'm pretty smart I've done some rehab work but I don't know it all and uh, worked for a different company for a while. Uh, then I joined your group, and we're always learning. Uh, Amen. You need mm -hmm. to, you need to, you know, like realtors, we end up having to do continuing education credits. You know, there's a minimum that you're supposed to do. There's a minimum standards we're supposed to inspect to. Don't ever rely on just doing it as a minimum, or you're not, you're not going to be able to build a, a really good business from it. You, you do more. Absolutely. Do more. All right, we are running out of time right now. Quentin, I want to end up a little bit about you. Tell me about, you know, your managing broker, if you don't mind, and over at the real estate office. Tell me about who is your mentor, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I have a few for sure. You know, I have certain people within CAR, uh, Chicago Association of Realtors, and, and YPN that I've met. And I, you know, I, and YPN is the Young Professional Network. Right. You're kind of high up on that. Well, I was the chair last year, and this year okay. I'm past chair. So typically, what you do is you do uh, vice chair, chair, past chair. That'll be three years, and then they kind of filter you out and they, you know, look for the new leadership. So I'm out on that, but um, nonetheless, I'm still playing on being highly involved in Chicago Association of Realtors moving forward, whether it's through you know NAR's YPN or um, Cars Board Directors, you name it, whatever. Um, so that's something I'm really passionate about. But and I've met a lot of amazing mentors through there, just at different brokerages. Um, Ben Creamer uh, and Eric Rios are two of the co-founders of our firm, um, and you know they're fantastic. You know I was lucky um, to have met them at such a young age when I did, uh, and and they've built a really really great brokerage here. Um, and you know I really can't thank them enough for it because you know for me it'd be easy for me to go to a bigger larger firm like you know well I'm not going to name names, but we're a small no. boutique firm, and I stay there for a reason. I stay there because of the people and the ownership and the management, and that all of our um, intentions are, are very much aligned. And I think we're closing in right now and running out of time. Yep. So because of which, I just want to say thank you. All yeah, right. Thank I, you. I truly think you're just one hell of a great professional. So you're listening to Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AMA 20, and we're wrapping it up. And don't be afraid to watch our Facebook channel and look for the Home Buyers Hour on Facebook and like us. And that is it. Charlie out.